Chapter Seventeen of That Affair at Portstead Manor by Gladys Etzen Locke. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mr. Clavering visits Wild Rose Villa. The next day, being Sunday, Mr. Clavering did not deem a proper one for attempting to solve the mystery of Mavis Travers' identity. But on Monday morning, directly after breakfast, he set forth on this quest in obedience to Lady Pevensey's wishes. As a preliminary, he asked that fund of ready information, the head gardener, where Wild Rose Villa was situated. The gardener removed his broad hat and scratched his head contemplatively. "'Never heard of it, sir,' he said finally, "'and I've lived in this here village for sixty year.' This was not encouraging, but Mr. Clavering would not be turned from his purpose. Not wishing to be hampered by the attendance of an inquisitive groom, he decided to walk to the village. By the time, however, that he had traversed the three-mile avenue from the manor to the lodge gates, he wished that he had accepted the trap which Lady Ursula had placed at his disposal. He had never had a predilection for walking, and the day, with the blue haze of midsummer lying over the church spires and the gabled roofs of the village of Portstead, bade fair to be hot. With a sigh, he resisted the temptation to sit a while and rest in the cool, ivy-grown lodge, and instead descended the high hill into the village, along a picturesque lane, winding between copses of pine and larch, with glimpses of green meadows and the heather-clad downs. The air was sweet with the new-mown hay, and in the distance were groups of reapers, quaint figures in smock-frocks and wide-brimmed straw hats. Hot and weary as Mr. Clavering was, he was made to feel the pastoral charm of Portstead Village. The long and straggling lane, flanked by hawthorn hedges, which boasted the proud title of High Street, led past curious old thatched cottages, a tiny creeper-covered church, and finally to the school, a low, half-timbered structure, through the open windows of which he saw rows of comic, rustic heads. Beyond, to the right, lay the village hostelry, a queer, rambling old place with a mighty sign lazily creaking above the door. Here at the inn he stopped and inquired the way to Wild Rose Villa, but the landlord knew no more about it than did the gardener. Mr. Clavering felt wholly unequal to searching the entire village, so bluntly told the landlord that Wild Rose Villa was the dwelling of a child named Mavis Travers, of whom he must surely know. A ray of intelligence lighted up the landlord's bucolic countenance. "'I don't know the name, sir, but do little miss have red hair and a pony that she drives Maynard?' Mr. Clavering assured him that she possessed both these qualifications. "'Ah, then, sir, I know where she lives. They do say, sir, little miss is an I Italian.' He looked to Mr. Clavering for verification. "'Indeed,' murmured the gentleman, uncommunicatively. "'I trust it is not far to Wild Rose Villa?' The landlord swallowed his disappointment at Mr. Clavering's brevity of manner. "'No, sir, tis not far, if that's how the cottage is called. Turn down the first street to the left. Little miss lives in the third cottage, facing the west. You'll see her at the window, sir. When she's not driving the pony, she's sure to be sitting there. The woman who has charge of her don't let the children play with her, but they runs after her in the pony cart. And locks, sir, if they gets in the way, she don't mind running them down. She's a wild one, little miss is.' From the loquacious landlord, Mr. Clavering learned further that Mavis had been in the village but a very short time. Wild Rose Villa, never before dignified by any distinguishing appellation, had stood vacant over a year until its present tenants moved in. 
but where they came from and the hour and manner of their arrival was a mystery even mrs jones the observant neighbor opposite had not been aware that the cottage was tenanted until as early as seven o'clock on the morning of the second day after the earl's murder the landlord was very exact as to the date she had beheld mavis sitting at the window the child and her foreign nurse then must either have arrived at sunrise or in the storm the night before that afternoon mrs jones's youngest baby was rescued from under the very hoofs of the shetland pony and now said the landlord in conclusion when that red-haired little wildcat goes a-flyin through the village the babies and old folks are kept indoors mr clavering following the landlord's directions continued along high street and turning down the lane to the left came presently to a small cottage with red-tiled roof and whitewashed walls bowered and wreathed in roses even to the pointed gable over which these bright flowers of england poured in cascades the garden and the little gate too were fairly overrun with roses in the wildest profusion they grew red pink white and yellow anywhere everywhere about the cottage wild rose villa it was in truth at one of the tiny latticed windows curtained with roses and honeysuckle mr clavering beheld the ruddy gold hair and elfish face of mavis she knew him instantly and nodding and smiling beckoned him in with imperious little hand he unlatched the gate and pushed his way through the tangle of roses in some embarrassment what was he to say to this child how was he to question her elena received him frowningly in the porch doorway and seemed determined to bar his entrance stand away elena i will have him come in cried mavis with shrill anger elena obeyed but there was a fierce hostility in her great black eyes she stood with one hand in the bosom of her blouse and the other clenched at her side while mr clavering made some confused inquiries in regard to the pony oh answered mavis with a toss of her bright hair i make tony run faster every day just to see elena get cross and the stupid village people stare that amuses me some day you will be thrown out said mr clavering disapprovingly that i tell the signorina but she will not listen spoke up elena eyeing mr clavering with a slightly lessening hostility be still tiresome elena cried the child i will drive tony as fast as i wish to and talk to everybody i wish to and do everything i wish to mr clavering expected to see elena's temper fly but instead she went over to the child and caressed her with murmured words of endearment in italian mavis pushed her away petulantly i don't love you horrid elena you won't let me do anything but just sit here and sit here and that's stupid and i don't love you how can you talk to the faithful elena who has watch and tend you all the days of your life asked the woman reproachfully mavis tilted her pointed little chin in the air bring me a seed cake she demanded elena cast a doubtful look at mr clavering hesitated and then hurriedly left the room as soon as the child saw that they were alone together she bent toward her visitor and fixing on him her sharp bird-like eyes demanded in a shrill whisper who died at the manor mr clavering started and was dumb with surprise quick tell me insisted the child impatiently elena won't she says nobody died but she tells me lies i saw the funeral carriages winding down the hill from the manor i saw them from this window look mr clavering's eye followed her pointing finger and beheld the distant turrets of portstead manor rearing themselves above the low roofs of thatch and tile it gave him a peculiar sensation to realize 
that under the very shadow of the hoary old manor this child so strangely linked to its dead master had sat curiously watching the passage of his funeral and not known whose it was her intense interest in the manor had dispelled the slightest doubt he had felt as to her being the identical mavis named in the will but why had the earl's death been kept from her was lady pevensey's suspicion correct who died at the manor broke in mavis with sharper insistence mr clavering shifted uneasily how was he to answer there might be some cogent reason for her being kept in ignorance of the earl's death in the midst of his puzzlement elena hastily returned her glance as it flashed from the impatiently waiting child to mr clavering's perplexed countenance was accurately distrustful she went quickly to mavis the seed-cake signorina she said mavis struck it from her hand i don't want the nasty seed-cake go away she turned then upon mr clavering like the little fury that she was stupid stupid man she cried and much more in rapid angry italian elena's black eyes too blazed upon the unhappy visitor you come here to spy what you tell the signorina what mr clavering backed toward the door he never cared to face an angry woman and this one was a perfect virago spy she hissed pushing him to the threshold you think poor elena a fool but she knows you and she knows that other the sleek smiling woman she send you here but you tell her you learn nothing from elena and she will never let you speak more to the signorina at this the little fury by the window screamed out i will speak to him if i wish to nasty hateful elena elena flung wide the outer door go signor she cried her face livid with rage and mr clavering went precipitately as he turned into the lane he had a final vision of the child in the window her red hair flying about her shrewish little face and her eyes flaming and defiant End of chapter 17